This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Hello and welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name's Anna Hawkin. I'm the ministry lead at Parenting for Faith and your host for today. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for listening in wherever you're doing that, in the car, uh, on the commute, whilst you've got small people running around you, whilst you're folding washing. That's my podcast listening time. Uh, Wherever it is, we are so honoured and glad that you've chosen us and Uh, that you want to listen to what we have to say. We love serving you. So please do keep sending in your um, suggestions for topics, suggestions for guests, suggestions for uh, questions that you have that you'd like us to answer. Uh, We have got four more episodes this season. And then next season, we're going to be asking, what if? (laughs) Very often we have a parent or a carer come up to us and say, "Uh, this is all well and good, but what if... And then a million different scenarios follow after that. It could be, what if I'm a single parent? What if I'm a church leader? What if uh, my child doesn't want to come to church? What if? We want to know what are your what ifs that you'd like us to tackle? And we're going to take one per podcast episode, get some really wise people in to pull it apart and say, if that's you or a friend or someone you know, uh, how can we tackle these things? Uh, So do get in touch and let us know your what ifs. We'd love to hear those. And just a little reminder that coming up next week, so starting on the 29th of November, you have a chance to double your money. For every pound that you give to Parenting for Faith, it will become two pounds for us because through the big give, we have matched funding. Uh, So if you wanted to throw money at us this week, hold it just for one more week and we would love, 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 love to receive it uh, between the 29th of November and the 6th of December. We are so grateful uh, that individuals and churches donate to make what we do possible. But I'm going to hand over now. Uh, I had a conversation with Duncan Reed from Raise Up Faith and Wonderborn Studios all about media and what we let our kids listen to and watch and what apps they engage with um, and how we can think about their digital diet. He's got a really interesting metaphor that helps us think about what's going into their brains and their minds and their hearts um, and how we can steer them in a direction that's helpful. So let's hear from Duncan now. Yeah, uh, I am, as you say, Anna Duncan Reed. Uh, it's great to be here. Um, and I work as um, head of uh, Raise Up Faith. Um, Raise Up Faith is a uh, it's um, a uh, kids ministry product that we have um, created at, at the company Wonderborn that I am part of. Um, and uh, but a bit about my background um, and why I'm here, you know, chatting to you today. Um, I uh, um, grew up in Southwest London and have worked in media and marketing and entertainment all my all my kind of working life. Um, and uh, more recently, probably in the last five or six years, have ended up working for um, kind of Christian-based companies, um, uh, which means I kind of get to now uh, take all the expertise and you know stuff that I learned along the way for the last 20 years and, uh, and and apply it to amazing things like Raise Up Faith, where I get to help young people and old people and all kinds of people discover Jesus-centered and joy-filled lives. So that's a really quick intro. <laughs> Fantastic. And thank you for doing that. And we will post a link in the show notes to Raise Up Faith. So if you haven't heard of them before and you want to find out about it a bit more, uh, you can go there. But we're chatting today, Duncan, about media. Um, it's 
the big question, one of the big questions that parents have, we hear all the time, our kids should be having less screen time or, you know, there's certain types of screens they should be having or shouldn't be having, having all that kind of thing. Uh, but they are everywhere. We can't avoid them. And it can be really difficult to know how to navigate it. Yeah. So I want to start right at the basis. Are all screens, is all media bad? Is it all a problem that we should just avoid? Well, that's a really brilliant, very hard question to answer. Um, I think, bluntly speaking, of course, the answer is no. Um, but, um, but it's a very nuanced question as well. So, you know, to give you a little bit of context, um, the average young person uh, right now, um, by the time they're 18, they will have spent 35,000 hours engaging in media in some way. Uh, that's in comparison to 9,000 hours in school two and a half thousand hours having a chat to their parents. And um, if they're kind of church kids going to church week in, week out, then it's about 900 hours in church. So to put that another way, that's just under four years, 24 hours a day, seven days a week on the screens versus just over one month in church. So um, the question is, is all media bad? The answer is, you know, clearly no. The question, the question of our ability to uh, um, help young people or, or get young people or coerce young people to avoid it, I think that actually that's uh, that's um, you know that's trying to lock the stable door once the horse has bolted. The fact is that young people are engaged in media. I think the other thing to say is that the, this conversation that we have, you know, that we have today, and a lot of us have today around media, it's the same conversation they were having two hundred years ago about books, and mm. you know, and and the mass production of books, and the fact that there was this sense of oh my goodness, this is going to pollute young people's minds. We're going to have you know all of a sudden this these new stories that you know they're going to, and um, you know we don't have that conversation about books these days. Um, there there has you know there has always been. Uh, you know ways that ways that we communicate and um, I find it you know there is so much opportunity in media now to spread amazing stories and tell amazing stories in amazingly um, wonderful immersive ways and that's brilliant and there are also uh, ways that it's used that's kind of not so great um, you know so the, uh, you know, the average US teenager right now is uh, spending about seven hours a day in social media, which is kind of uh, kind of a lot. <laughs> I don't entirely know where they, you know, you know where they find time, but they're but they're double screening, so they'll be doing, you know, they'll be on social media while they're watching TV. Mm. You know, it's that's how they navigate their day. Um, it's how they do. Um, you know, they spend their time. You know, their social time. Is um, is is in that it's a different paradigm, um, and I, I I was really interested in this, um, looking at it, and um, because, you know having worked um, initially in mainstream music and then magazines and um, kind of you know uh, music streaming and digital services and all that kind of stuff, you know uh, the creativity, you know, the, um, the creative executions that we, you know, find in the media are always really close to my heart. And I, and I find it just so wonderful seeing what people can do. But you can also see how it can, it, it can just be chewing gum, you know, and it's that, um, and it's that sense of, you know, the media that 
is nutritionally good and not so nutritionally good. And in the same way that we have, you know, food that's nutrition, nutritionally good and food that's not so nutritionally good. And that kind of really got me, um, kind of got me down the thought path really. Yeah, and I think that metaphor is so helpful. So let's let's dig into that a little bit more uh, because we're kind of saying, well, what I'm hearing you say there is that media is pervasive, it is everywhere. So the question is not really, should we as Christian parents let our children engage with it? They are going to engage with it, like they are going to come across it um, in the vast majority of cases. But the question then becomes about what they engage with. You know, not all, not all content is created equal um, and what you uh, liked what you were saying there about food. So, you know, in the same way that we wouldn't let our kids have McDonald's for dinner every day, um, we probably don't want them to be consuming uh, media that is very uh, junky and kind of satisfies and is exciting for a short time, but isn't good for them in the long term. Yeah. Can we dig down a little bit more into that yeah. um, metaphor? I'd love to. I'd love to hear how that works in practice and how we as parents might be able to use that. So more and more nutritional studies, you know, find that not all food calories are the same. Yeah. I don't know that, you know, it, you know, back in the day in the 1970s when, you know, when, the, uh, you know, public health started realising that people were putting on weight, they said, well, people are putting on more fat, therefore we need to have a fat-restricted diet. Now we're realising that actually that's not the way it works. We need this balance of nutrients. We need fat in our diet. Um, so not, but not all calories are the same. Some energise us and revitalise us and they're life-giving. Um, while kind of others will give a, um, a momentary high, you know, I think we all recognise it, that kind of, you know, that, that, that sugar rush, yeah. followed by the slump, and they drain us physically and they can drain us mentally and they can drain us spiritually as well. Actually, you know, there's a, um, so, um, you know, and I think there is an equivalence between that and the media that we have. And so the first bit, <clears throat> I think the most important starting point here is we need to talk about why, um, why we um, uh, gravitate towards junk food and junk media. Because actually, you know, this stuff's really attractive to us. Mm. You know, uh, we don't, it, 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 you know, so I was interested in that. So um, we start, I started looking into kind of our inbuilt reward system. So all of us have an inbuilt reward system. Um, uh, I listened to this, the, read about, you know, I, I did quite a lot of research into this, but there's one podcast that really stood out for me. It's on BBC Sounds. You can find it. It's super easy. It's called Made of Stronger Stuff. Um, and they've got an episode that's all about dopamine. Now, dopamine is something that we've, you know, is kind of come into pub public consciousness. We talk about, oh, I'm going to go and get my dopamine high. Um, you know, um, and uh, that particular episode was really eye-opening around how actually we, we don't really, you know, in the public consciousness of what, you know, how dopamine works isn't quite correct. It's not, it's not thinking about it in the right way. And actually that our inbuilt reward system is something that we really need to be careful about how we, um, how we, uh, how we mess with it. So, um, yeah, uh, dopamine is what's known as a neurotransmitter. And basically neuro neurotransmitters are our bodies, uh, kind of chemical messengers. They kind of carry, they carry messages across cell membranes. Uh, again, I'm not a doctor. I don't know how, you know, literally how this stuff works, but you know, uh, there we go. It's sounding good. We're sticking with it. Well, you know, you know, absolutely. Um, 
but dopamine it's a really important part of our inbuilt reward circuit so um and we have um you know so that when we um uh, and, and we each have like a base level of dopamine, which is, you know, if you imagine that, you know, we've got, a, you know, we chug along on this base level of dopamine, in, you know, in our system. When we overstimulate that in some way, what happens is we get that spike, that dopamine rush, which I think we can all kind of, you know, notionally kind of say, yeah, I, I get what that is. It's, it's that sugar rush. It's that adrenaline kick. It's whatever it is. It's that thing that's like, you know, that, you know, that, you know, it makes us feel good. And, you know, um, you know, um, there, there are reasons why, you know, our bodies have that, you know, and, and, and we've developed that because actually when we, you know, when we, uh, when we engage in a behavior that's good for us, our bodies have always wanted to go, yeah, yeah, more of that, please. Mm. The problem is if, if we overstimulate it, what then happens um, is that um, you, you hit this peak and then you, um, you have the crash afterwards. So we, we're chugging along at our base level here. We, we, uh, you know, we hit a peak and then we hit a crash where the level goes below our base level. And then it comes up and it, and it kind of plateaus and recovers. But what they're finding out now, and this is like ongoing research, is that the new base level, dopamine level, um, doesn't immediately get back to the same height that it was before. So um, over, it, it takes time for it to get back to that place, but it kind of kind of plateaus out at a lower level than it was um, before we overstimulated it. Yeah. So what then happens is that um, if we then really quickly do something else or repeat the experience, because it was like, wow, that was fantastic first time. I really, really enjoyed that donut. I'm having a second one. The second time we stimulate it again, and the same thing happens. We get the same high, but it's not the high is not quite so high because you know um, because it's coming from a different base level. The low is a little bit lower, and then when it gets back, that the you, you know the base level after that is lower still. So if we get into those bad addictive habits where we overstimulate, crash, overstimulate, crash, over time, what is happening? Our base level of dopamine, you know, our base dopamine level is going down, 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 down. So understanding what the reward system does and actually how if we if we stimulate it overstimulate it overstimulate it over time it's really really bad for us because if you're having to you know constantly stimulate your reward system just to get back to where you should be normally that's that's when we get into these really addictive addictive cycles mm. um and actually, for you know, for for us as people, and you know, to talk to our young people about the fact, actually, this is what is happening to our bodies. Yes, it feels fantastic; it feels really good. But if you do too much of it, it's going to make you feel really awful. So, Harvard University they did a, um, a study recently that kind of demonstrated how um, uh, social media lights up the same reward circuit that sugar does. So, every no notification we get on social media, you know, mentions, you know, and all of that stuff, every time we kind of put something up and someone likes it and all that kind of, you know, that triggers that reward system that we go, oh, hooray. And um, if we don't keep stimulating it, we just see that, you know, um, it just gets, you know, more, you know, more depressing over time. Um, because we have the infinite scroll of Facebook and Instagram and YouTube, it's these, these rabbit holes, it can be, you know, you, you can get, um, you can really quickly overstimulate your reward system with very little effort. You can just sit there and before you know it, you, you know, you're three hours in. <laughs> I think we've all been there. Well, I know I have. 
Um, oh, absolutely. But I think you have hit on something there that uh, both junk food and uh, junk media, but particularly junk media, this is probably one of the areas where we as parents are the biggest hypocrites, you know, and I speak yeah. uh, for myself entirely in that, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm not alone. Uh, that because of the way that we're designed, because of our dopamine system, because of everything you're talking about, um, it is addictive. And in particular, media and social media, and it's addictive by design. Well, we shouldn't yeah. feel bad about how that makes us feel. That is, that is, It's designed to do that, and it has that effect on pretty much everyone. Yeah. So I think um, understanding that science, as you've so brilliantly explained, is such a helpful tool for us as parents to say, our bodies are great. This is the way God's made them. But we need to understand what's happening. And that that gives them some control back of here's what's going on and here's how I decide what to do next. Yeah, I love Absolutely. that. Absolutely. I mean, the addictive by design, I mean, you know, with with food, it's literally baked in and it's historically yeah. <laughs> baked into our, you know, to our media, which brings us on to the, you know, junk food and mental health and junk media and mental health is that actually, you know, um, if you eat too much, uh, especially if you eat too much sugar, it causes inflammation in the body, which is a trigger for depression. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, and if, if we, there's, there's quite a lot of in the media at the moment about um, ultra processed foods, you know, and how these ultra processed foods and the, the you know, the, the, the kinds of ingredients, we don't always know exactly how they are, you know, affecting our reward circuit, affecting all that kind of stuff. But, ultimately that leads us into, you know, to, in, um, into, um, uh, depression. Um, we've known it about cigarettes and alcohol and drugs. Um, we haven't necessarily, you know, got that link, you know, you know, that cause and effect with food yet. Um, and we, um, but I think that we all know, um, almost intuitively that there is a you know, that there is a cause and effect of, you know, around depression in young people with, mm. with media and social media. It's not necessarily that, you know, that social media is the cause of depression, but it's, a, it's, you know, we know it's a contributing factor. So, and actually, um, some of the research we've done on this, we actually created a white paper that you can download from our website at raiseupfaith.com. If you go to the free resources section, there is a, um, uh, there's a paper there that we created in partnership with the um, uh, Lily Joe Project in Manchester, um, which is called Being Not Doing the Church Young People and Mental Health. It's a really useful look at the challenges around he- mental health in the digital age um so um i think that you know it's it's those three things it's the fact that um it, it triggers on you know it's the way that junk media affects our reward systems it's the fact that so much of these you know platforms especially platforms but the content too is addictive by design and thirdly, the way that it affects our mental health. These are all causes for concern. So I think it's really important that we educate young people in those three things to understand how, the, you know, the food they, the, you know, and they consume and the media that they consume, you know, isn't always good for us. And um, the next question we always get asked is, well, okay, but how do you make the good choices? <laughs> and that's a, yeah. that's a really important question. And it's a nuanced question, right? um yeah um and we don't have i don't think there is you know a formula for this this is this is i think this is really subjective um what's okay for one family and one person isn't going to be okay for another family another person um 
But I think there are three tests, if we can go through them, if that's all right with you, Anna. Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. Um, and uh, it's all about the things that they spark in us. The first one, uh, it's, it's a direct steal from Marie Kondo. It's, does it spark joy? Mm. You know, and that's the thing, isn't it? You know, so much of the content, you know, that we're, that we're watching, actually, we can come away from it. Not particularly joyful people, you know, it, you know, um, if it's, if it's chewing gum TV or a chewing gum, you know, YouTube video, we can come away just feeling just a little bit empty. Mm. Is it sparking a joy in you? You know, and in the same way that, you know, Marie Kondo would, you know, jump in and, you know, just throw out the stuff that isn't because it's not because it, it's not bringing life, you know, um, to your, you know, and she do that to your 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 clutter. You know, let's do the same thing to the clutter of our content. The other thing is, is it sparking friendship? Is, mm-hmm. it, is it inclusive? Is it something that, you know, um, if it's something that is uh, just um, a solo activity that is not, uh, that's not an inclusive activity. So um, um, one of my boys uh, will play games while on, you know, while on Discord with his friends. And actually that's a brilliant brilliant thing because even though you know and his his mates you know live six seven miles down the road on an autumn night you're not going to be out you know um they're not there physically together and this is one of the wonderful things about technology is its ability to bring us together and spark friendship even though we're not in the same room and so is it sparking friendship um similarly um you know again this is why this is is subjective is that you can play a game and you can be in solidarity with your friends and having lots of fun or you can play a game and be ultra competitive and it just makes you hate people yeah which is why it's subjective and and you know it can be you know you can have the same two things happening the same group of people in the same you know in the same half an hour i think we just need to constantly think is this sparking friendship if it's if it's causing division you know and i think again for social media you know, so much of social media is divisive. I think, you know, um, another trend that I don't know if you're seeing at the moment, Anna, is um, that there's a, another podcast on BBC Sounds with uh, Rory Stewart talking about the art of rhetoric and the art of debate and how, how in society, especially with social media, we, we've lost the art of argument, right? The art of good rhetoric and debate that we can, you know, happily hold an attention of friendship and we can still disagree on stuff. Mm. And... Um, it's really hard to do that well on social media um, because we're effectively playing to two separate audiences. You know, um, I'll say something to, you know, whoever it is, you know, we, we see it play out in politics all the time. We're not actually trying to have a debate. We're just trying to posture for our followers. Yeah. You know, and that's where the, um, so is it sparking friendship is the second test. And the third test is does it spark the imagination? I'm going to show my age here. There was a TV show in the 70s and 80s called uh, Why Don't You, which was brilliant. It was kids. Uh, it was kind of a kids-led TV show. And the theme song said, why don't you switch off your TV set and do something less boring instead? Which I always thought was very daring for a kids' TV show. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. It is amazing. But um, but the whole point of it was they would show you something. You know, they would show you a craft. They would show you a thing that you could do. And then they'd say, right, turn the tv off go and do it go and do it 
is the media that we are in sparking our imagination and creativity? Does it inspire us onto something? Or is it just something that we're passively consuming? You know, um, again, my, uh, my younger son, he loves um, watching the uh, Hacksaw Industry YouTube videos, which is basically where they kind of take, you know, um, you know, they say, uh, they say, look at stuff that's in Star Wars and Marvel films, and they try and make real life versions of, you know, lightsabers and stuff like that. It's brilliant fun. And he comes off of it with these incredible creative imaginative ideas and he and he gets the glue going out and as a result the carpet of his room is covered in <laughs> glue whatever but he's getting out there and he's making this stuff and it's sparking his imagination and it's a the content is a launch pad to something that he's doing similarly he'll watch skateboarding videos and then he goes outside and he practices it mm. it's what we're consuming inspiring us to something real or is it just something that we are chewing? So those are the three, the three tests. Again, it's not perfect and it's not, you know, a catch up, but does it spark joy? Does it spark friendship? Does it spark the imagination? Um, and use that to assess. Um, I think when we're, when we're in our conversations, knowing how content can, uh, you know, mess around with our reward systems, knowing how it's addicted by design, some of it is, and knowing that it's, um, uh, you know, that you know, the, the effect that bad content can have on our mental health. Potentially, these are three ways that we can work out. Actually, well, where's the good stuff? Mm. And I love that because you've you've ended with something really practical, but it's come from thinking, what's the good, and how can we draw our children, and young people, to it with all that appropriate framing and educating about how it works, rather from the fear based. Um, boundary setting that I think is is the wisdom and the advice that we get from most places is screens can be bad therefore limit them here's how to put stuff in place yeah and this has just been such an interesting and helpful conversation because I I feel like for me certainly you've um, given me a paradigm shift of a different way to look at it of here's the media we it is everywhere we can't avoid it our children young people are going to engage with it but how can we educate them um about how it works and what it's doing to their brains and uh, equip them to work with that and draw them to things that are good for them. There was one point I thought you were going to, going to go into Philippians 4.8, you know, that whatever is true, whatever is lovely, the, we can apply that in any context. And that's, yeah. that's true for media as well. So thank you so much for your time, Duncan. This has been really, really interesting. And I'd really encourage you uh, to go and check out Raise Up Faith if you haven't already. As I say, we'll, we'll pop a link to that and uh, to some of the other things that Duncan's mentioned. And a question to ask your kid to spark an interesting conversation. If the last thing you watched or the last app that you played on was a food what food would it be? So thinking about what Duncan's just said, uh, is it a junk food? Is it a superfood? Was it something really meaty that left you satisfied? Uh, was it like a small snack? What sort of food was it? Uh, really interested to hear your responses from that. Have a great week. We're going to be back with episode 10 next week, where we're going to be talking about keeping the Christ in Christmas, getting ready for Christmas with Lizzie Lafferton. See you then. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week 
And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you.